Hey everybody, I'm Jason, your host of Let Freedom Reign, an equine industry leading podcast that talks to folks from all different walks of life who share their testimony of adversities and perseverance and how the horse has helped them through their journey. Stay tuned. We're going to have a great time. Come along for the ride. Welcome everybody to another episode here at Let Freedom Reign podcast. Our guest this week is Drew Horner. Now, Drew and I met a few years back uh, while I was out on vacation in Texas. We got to rope a little bit together, talk life and horses. Now, Drew had a lot of success early on in a very short pro rodeo career, and he attributes it to the community of men that invested in him, men that drove him closer to faith and closer to his ultimate goal of winning at the national final rodeo in team roping. Drew has now moved on to work at his family's jewelry business but still feels obligated to reciprocate the investment others had made in him. In this episode, we talk about his upbringing, his pro rodeo career, and where Drew is at in life now. Now, should you feel the content of this episode is valuable, please share it with a friend. Additionally, your five-star ratings and reviews on the podcast platform of your choice would mean the world to us. You can find us both on Facebook and Instagram at Let Freedom Reign Podcast. I hate to keep you all waiting any longer. Here is... Drew Horner. Drew Horner, man. How the heck are you? Doing way good, Jason, man. Life's good over there with you, huh? Oh, life is good. It's been way too long since the last time we talked, man. I know, man. I know. What's it been? Uh, I think we met at a at, like roping clinic or training, teaching your roping or something like that. And then I was out on a vacation, actually. And I think I hit you up via social media saying, hey, you got an opening. Yeah. And we were able yeah, to cool. mash it all together last minute. And, and uh, it was a great day. Yeah, that was a fun time. And then didn't we see each other in Napa, Idaho too, maybe? Oh, that was with uh, ERA Rodeo, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. You and your wife came out there, I think it was. And Yeah, dude, that was a great time, man. That was that was such an awesome production. It was, uh, we, yeah, same thing. We're out on vacation and our, our paths intersected. And it's funny because my uncle, he knows that I'm into the horse stuff. And, and uh, I said, hey, you know, I got a buddy that's in town. They got this huge rodeo production. Let's go over and check it out. And and man, yeah. we had a great time and they were just enthralled with everything. Like the, not only the athletic performance of all the athletes and stuff, but the whole, the whole production yeah. that went around it and, and starting it off with a, starting off the rodeo with a huge prayer, man. It was a awesome, awesome experience. Yeah. That was a, that was a sweet rodeo, man. Now they're moving on and some other rodeo associations pulling up and everything. It just seems like the sport of professional rodeo is changing a whole lot, especially since, since I was going like full time not long ago, it's like dang near a whole new rodeo. I was say, isn't it, isn't it crazy how, how fast things have evolved? Yeah, it's unreal. I mean, there's a lot of good guys in that sport that are trying to trying to make it better and always trying to to kind of carry it out for the next generation. And it's fun, you know. Especially me, like I was in it for I don't know, I was in it for ten, twelve years, and now that I'm 29, not rodeoing anymore, there's a lot of guys think like, you know, why'd you quit? Well, I didn't. Well, I, I did, I guess, but like retired from it. But and I'll explain that here in a little bit. You know, the guys my age are like just not kind of getting to the prime of it, and they're getting to kind of see a lot of the reaping a lot of the fruits, the benefit of the, the labor of the guys in front of them. So it's pretty cool to see what the sport's doing now. And it's fun to kind of keep in touch with it and follow it. And No, I think it's exciting. It goes from like a kind of generations past, you know, kind of the old roughneck cowboy way of yeah. competing. And now it's, there's a lot of athletic avenues, you know, as far as horse performance and horse health. And, and I mean, how many guys are lifting now? Oh, it's unreal. Yeah. And really paying attention to physical conditioning because when you think about it, dude, when you're in a sport where, I mean, thousands of a second matter between a paycheck and going home empty-handed, yeah, why not? You know, I, And I always think, uh, think back of playing in college and stuff like that and a little bit afterwards, guys would go out and party and drink and, 
Man, I used to yeah, love it. Yeah. Go ahead, drink, act like an idiot, stay out all late because I'm gonna stay. Yeah. I'm gonna stay rested, and I'm gonna work out, and then I'm gonna smoke yeah. you for your position. Yeah. And when you go home empty-handed, wondering why you don't have a job, I'll be living yeah. the high life. So, I yeah, get it. It's totally. awesome stuff, dude. So, 29 years old, man. You've competed yeah. in the NFR, right? Yeah. CrossFit yeah. stud. Grew up playing hockey. Jewelry mogul. Like, what's next for Drew Horner, dude? <laughs> man, that's, that's that's funny. Uh, what's next is is really just the business world, man. I mean, like. Going from, uh, I mean, you mentioned jewelry mogul. I wouldn't describe myself as that <laughs> quite there. CrossFit and then like uh, just shooting guns and riding horses and cowboying for, you know, so long in my life. It's like going from that life into living. I mean, I grew up in Dallas, so it's not like I'm a cowboy by, by background at all. Like zero family in the back in, in rodeo, like zero ranching, zero anything in my life. Rodeo, you, you said I played hockey growing up and that was what I really wanted to do. And, um, but I, I was working on a ranch. My dad actually owned some property and he started roping when he was about 30 years old or so. Oh, no kidding. And so, yeah, like, that's kind of how I got into it. Like no family background in it at all. Like he just out of the blue saw some guys, he was driving on a road and he said he saw some guys out there roping. He always kind of had an affinity for it. Just like looking at horses and always wanted to own a horse. always wanted to be around it all. And he went out, just drove out there and started asking him about it. And next thing you know, he gets a horse and starts roping and buys some property and puts me to work out there on his property one summer and I'm taking ropes off cows at the back of the strip and shoot back there for him. And I'm 15 years old. I have no idea what I'm doing. I never, never, never dealt with any large animals, never, never done nothing like that. And, you know, thanks for good hard work for me. I loved it, but I got bored because if you've ever worked strip and shoot, you get bored. Sitting yeah, back it's there quite a repetitive task. Yeah, exactly. So, and for a kid like me who always wants to be running a gun and just always doing something, um, I started getting bored. So I took the ropes off and I would back them out of the strip and shoot and like I'm like I have no nothing about cows at this point, no nothing about horses, no nothing about cattle, and any nothing, right? And so I'm like trying not to get my hands smashed because I know that that'll hurt. But I'm like backing them out with the rope, and I'm pushing them out. And I I figured out that they're trained essentially; they have that repetition of going to strip and shoot. So I would push them out, you know, about 50 feet as much as I could, and they'd be running, and they would turn back at me, and I would just run out of the way and try to rope them as they'd go by on foot, and you know, never caught one at that. That's <laughs> that awesome, dude. That's awesome. Yeah. So I did that, and then my dad and them come down there, came down the strip and shoot, and they were laughing at me, making fun of me, but then they showed me how to hold it and how to handle the rope, and next day, they're teaching me how to saddle horses, which is kind of fun, and so I'm learning that, and I'm learning how to warm horses up, riding them around, and it's funny, I always say this, but I realized about three or four months into it, I realized my dad was teaching me everything that he didn't want to do. Oh, that's <laughs> and so great. He was teaching, yeah, he's teaching me all the work parts, like all this taking ropes off, and and saddling, and like grooming, and all that kind of fun stuff, but I'm kind of thankful I did, because I was warming the horses up for him. But it really kind of made me uh, an appreciation for roping, an appreciation for these animals and creation and what we have. And, and just the blessing of, of what rodeo really is. And so kind of bring it all back to square one, going from rodeo into where I'm at now and, and what's kind of next. It's like uh, right now I love what I'm doing. I'm working for Premier Designs, um, which is uh, my family started a company in, in 1985, which is a company I've always wanted to be a part of just because it, it's I enjoy it. I love what the purpose about it, the mission behind it. And um it, it's way more than just a piece of jewelry it's more than more than money it's more than all that it, it's a lot of fun to be a part of a, a company with mission and so i'm working marketing i'm working supply chain for that and a lot of other things and and so yeah i miss you know i miss a lot of competition i miss the guys i miss the family i miss um miss rodeo and i miss horses out there being around animals and livestock and being outside and just the blessing of what that is and what god's done through creation there and being able to kind of be in the next season of life for me is God's, it's only God's going to show me what's next. Really. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, right it's funny how, uh, I mean, we talk perspective on a lot of the show with a lot of the guests and yeah. 
yeah. I had a similar background as far as sports, right? And playing baseball and you're driven and you're motivated and you want to be the best. But hopefully most people come to a point in their life where they realize, you know what, you're just kind of a, a, a pawn in God's game, a pawn in God's chess match, you know? And Yeah, and that's a good thing. Yeah, it's a good thing. And it's awesome. It's awesome to come yeah. to that realization. And, and once I found it myself, it seems like life is so much easier and, and I've been fairly successful in the horse world. And I, I tell people all the time, Everything that I've received in the horse world is a blessing from God. There's nothing that logically explains or earthly explains the opportunities that I've had. I mean, even even roping with you, right? Three, three, four years ago, whenever it was, right? You're just coming off of the NFR and you're kind of at the top of your rodeo game at the time. Yeah. You know, how does how does a, a nobody, for lack of better terms, you know, end up with the opportunity to spend a half a day with you roping and learning horses and talking life? I mean, it was it was an awesome yeah. experience, you know, something that I'm very, very grateful for. You want to talk about something similar to that on my end, man? I mean, this is crazy stuff. So, I went to uh, this is where kind of where I met Trey J, and this is like Trey Johnson. Yeah. You interviewed him not long ago. I don't know when you're going to post that one, but he's uh, one of my closest friends in the rodeo. I met him at this Al Bach camp, uh, Forever Cowboys. They were doing a long time ago. I was like 19. I was, uh, I was 18 or 19. That's probably 19 years old, I think. And uh, you know, 10 years ago, I guess. And it's crazy to think. So I'm at this camp and I'm roping and, and enjoying it, and I got a lot of obviously wanting to pursue rodeo and guys are picking up on it and you know i'm starting to get my name out there as far as just wanting to network as much as i can and same deal like this is only a god doing really it's pretty cool um but i got a phone call from from alan bach uh who is his camp right so i show up you know four-time world champ legend in the sport like everybody knows absolutely and like he calls me just out of the blue like i'm like what the heck he calls me so i answer i remember where i was at i was actually at my mom's house it's back in dallas and he calls me i'm like hey and uh, he's like, hey, it's Alan Bach. And I'm like, well, hey, Mr. Bach, how's it going? Yeah, and sir, you called the wrong goes, number. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, what's up? And he goes, hey, I'm I'm kind of, you know, I'm not going to rodeo full time. I'm not going to compete full time or anything, but I'm going to Utah. I'm going to spend the summer in Utah out there with my family and just get a house. And I was wondering if you'd want to come come rope with me all summer and, and enter the amateur rodeos and go to some pro rodeos and stuff and, and head for me. And you could imagine 19 years old on my permit, like, don't even have my card yet. And I'm sitting here thinking, like, in this guy, world champion. Yeah, what does Alan Bach have any interest in me for? Yeah, and I'm like, that's that's like unreal. And so I'm sitting here thinking, like, holy crap. And I'm like, uh, yeah, I'll be there. <laughs> and so I uh, dropped everything, and and I just asked him, hey, when are you leaving? He's like, I'm leaving probably around this date. And I just, all right. So I just showed up with all my stuff and drove out to Utah. And was like, I'm in. So I was spending a summer with him, and and I uh, got to rodeo with him, and which was like that. Like, what is a guy like? kid like me at that time never done any never had any success except for amateur rodeo and you know legend in our sport just called me and wants to give me an opportunity i mean like it was just unreal so it's such a it's definitely a the cool thing about rodeo and the, the, the relationships you can build and it's a blessing to be able to have something like that yeah and, and and i know in previous conversations we kind of talked and you you alluded to how how rodeo helped you grow your relationship with christ so if you yeah, don't yeah. mind let's kind of I mean, dude, you start at 15 years old, not knowing the first thing about roping cattle, horses, nothing. And in, in seven years' time, you end up backing into the box at the Thomas and Mack Center, right? Yeah. About seven years, 22 years old, I think you were? I was uh, 23 years old. So right, it was right, it was right at like seven or eight years. Yeah, okay. It was, it was right there. Which, I mean, guys work their whole entire lives and, and shoot never even get pro cards, right? And, yeah. and, and for you to see that success in, in such a short amount of time, I think speaks volumes to your work ethic and your motivation and your opportunity and your faith and all that stuff. But Let's start at 15 years old. I mean, I mean, we kind of talked about it briefly, but let's let's walk through. I mean, how how do you get how do you get to where you were? Man, uh, I tell you what, like even just thinking about it, like it was like I like part of my testimony 
like I don't really like my life and what God's done in my life. It's like I look at like I really I really I accepted Christ when I was like 13 years old, and uh, I I say I always accepted Christ when I was like seven, like meaning I like okay said a prayer and like I understood the story of Christ. Mm-hmm. Like I knew what he did, mm-hmm. but at 13, like I understood the sacrifice, I understood grace, and I started understanding like oh gosh, like I needed a savior here. Like I understand why he died on the cross. Yeah, you know? the living um, presence like, of it. Yeah, exactly. So at 13, I fully comprehended it. It was like, okay, that's what I really say. I'm a, I was a believer. I followed Christ, or at least saved, you know? And then as I kind of went through high school, I started open, I was 15, and, and it was about, I was about, probably about um, about 21 or 22. So I started rodeoing, and if anybody's ever rodeoed, if you, I'm assuming a lot of rodeo cowboys out there, or a lot of anybody out there around horses, rodeo cowboys were just, were just gypsies, essentially. <laughs> I mean, it's just like... It's true, man. It's life on the run. Yeah, totally. And I mean, we, we always tell people, Charlie Crawford has a joke. If people ask him what he does for a living, he says he drives a truck. Yeah. Because, you know, 98% of the time you're driving a truck, 1% per, 1% of the time you're saddling, taking our horses, and the other 1% of your, you know, you're roping. And so it's just like a, you know, constantly traveling stuff. So, you know, you're just on the road all the time. So there's a lot of downtime in that. Well, thank God I was around the right guys. You know, I bought kind of early on. I got to meet Trey J who was just solid stud of a man of God. Uh, and then I started roping with uh, Buddy Hawkins, which was huge. And this, this is where it, like, it comes in because I had the right kind of community around me, the right kind of accountability, guys that were you know, always focused, always pouring into me what was going to happen, like helping me, hold, hold me to a higher standard, um, wanted what's best for me, you know, cared about me, would call me out when I messed up, like not roping-wise. I mean, yeah, they'd help me roping, but in life, when I did something stupid or if I was kind of leaning down the wrong track, guys that I could ask questions to, you know, so that was kind of the, the huge, biggest, a big part in what Christ did for me. But really what I always, what I tell people is about 22 or 23 years old was the year, 23 was the year I made the finals. It was 2013. And uh, I was 21 or 22 right in there, I guess. And, and I started on the road. There's a lot of downtime. Like you're kind of by yourself a lot. And so what I would do is I would, I would go rope, practice as much as we could. And then I would, I would go to the gym and then I would go to a coffee shop, a local coffee shop or go somewhere and I would read the Bible just constantly. Um, and I always knew, like I was about 21 or 22, I kind of knew, I grew up around the Bible, understood story, the Bible stories and kind of all about it. But I got bored of reading the New Testament. Like I got bored of reading Romans and Corinthians and all these, like essentially the entire New Testament. Yeah. And so what I did, I just went back to the Old Testament and I read stories because I just wanted, I just was like, you know what, I'm just going to read stories. And like, I was like, I just want to know these stories, just read them for fun. And so I read them and I read like First Samuel, talking about like David and I talk about these guys. And I read Daniel and I read all these cool stories about these guys like and like just read through proverbs more and it's unreal i started seeing like these men of god who um were just incredible guys like let's just take david he's my favorite story in the bible favorite kind of bible character there the guy was a warrior right like he killed a giant he's when he was israel's greatest king probably outside of god himself and it's like the dude like incredible man of god would dance naked in the streets like unashamed of his faith right yet he he had he cheated on his one of his best friends with his with his best friend's wife you know what i mean and then had his one of his best friends killed to cover it up yet god's like forgiveness and grace still overwhelmed him and he still is known as a man after god's own heart like despite his failures despite how great he was of a king and how incredible he was in his epic you know murder and adultery and all this kind of crazy stuff that you think is horrendous god still forgave him and still loved him and he still was close to him um and reading through the psalms was unreal but you know it's crazy i always say this to come into rodeos, like I, that was the time, like during that time in my life, you spend a lot of downtime. Like you're kind of by yourself a lot driving a truck. You can listen to a lot of podcasts and stuff. And I always say, this is why I, I think God put me in rodeo for a reason. I told my girlfriend this uh, a couple nights ago. And it's like, 
when in rodeo, it's, it's like, I was so focused on winning. Like I was so focused on making the finals or winning a major, which is what I want to do. Like the Bob Feist Invitational yeah. or like, or, or things like that. Like I was so driven on, on success like that, that I knew that. And I knew that if I allowed myself to get lazy, meaning if I allowed myself to start going to the bar, which is no problem having a, a beer, like it's okay to have one beer. But I knew that if I let one beer lead into another, or lead into another, or go go start essentially going on the wrong path with girls, like in, in immoral ways and things like that. Like I knew that was going to distract me from my end goal of, of winning in rodeo. And so instead of doing things that I thought would hold me back, I poured into by myself reading the Bible and I poured into listening to worship music or podcasts at the gym or while I was driving down the road and those things. And I poured into the community guys in the roping pen that I was practicing with every day. And that, that's like, that's what I dedicated to. And so I always say like, God, God had me in rodeo, not to go make the finals and win a major and win these big rodeos, you know, and all that kind of fun stuff and have fast little success in rodeo for the years I had the, he had me there to grow my heart closer to him. And so it's like, it's such a blessing to see like, okay, yeah, I loved that time in my life. It was unreal. Like I, I made some of the closest friends I'll ever have. You know, I, I had so much fun competing at the highest level in a sport that we loved. I was around God's creation 24 seven. I got to see the world essentially because of rodeo, but I'm more thankful. I'm looking back on that kind of the, the five years of pro rodeo on that kind of span four or five years of full-time pro rodeo and seeing God's design and God's hand in my life. I can look back on it now and it's like all those, my so much focus and my drive. Sometimes it could have been almost sinful because like I almost put it in front of everything, right? Like I, I wanted to make the final so bad. I was willing to sacrifice other things, everything else. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like God used that for, for his good and bringing me closer to him anyway. And it's like, God works for the good of those who love him, all things for the good of those who love him. It's such a beautiful kind of design on, on what he's done for me. And it's funny because now when I look at my life now, it makes me like, Oh God, where are you in my life now? And I actively seek out his hand, you know, me trying to build a business or me trying to build a career. And I have a few real estate investments now, like trying, like the things that I want to do, these passions I want to do in business and the world and whatnot. It's like, God, you're in this. Like, I know you are because you've been in my life forever. You've never left my life, you know, no matter what it was. And so it's kind of cool to see um, God's design and taking something that I was so passionate about, like so driven, like was willing to give up everything to do to make the National Finals Rodeo and run that first year out of 10 steers out there um, to do. Yet he still was like, hey, even though you're looking at this this way, I'm going to make you be by yourself and I'm going to take you take you to these random places and you're going to sit down and read the Bible for four hours straight and you're going to love it. Dude, it's it's an amazing it's an amazing stronghold in your rodeo career because you think about any elite profession, right? We could talk about athletics, we could talk about law enforcement, we could talk about military, and yeah. those those people that are driven to truly be the best and be legends in their given profession or sport. How many people chase that exact same dream of being the best? Yeah. But they they do just like you talked about, right? The pressures and the stress of, of being that or working to achieve that end up wearing on people and you see people getting caught up at the bar and you start, yeah. you know, the, the infidelity starts creeping in or, the, or they're, they don't manage their money properly. Yeah, totally. And, and professionally, these people are, are chasing essentially unattainable goals just based on the sheer numbers. But in doing that, God, their personal life just goes to shambles. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. So what a, what a blessing that truly was. And it's awesome that you were able to see it at such a young age. And be so persistent at it. And now, now you're starting to see what your rodeo life is. I mean, it's a legacy far greater than than any gold buckle you would have won. You know, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I want I want to I want to add on top of this because it's like 
it's not like I want I want people to realize this. Like, yeah, okay, in the moment, it's like I'm sitting there thinking I'm doing this. You know what I mean? Like, I'm 22 years old. Like, I I know. Like, I'm gonna go do this. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm the go, man. Yeah, right. Like, so in the moment, like I'm not I'm not I wasn't like caught up with that. Um, but I like I intentionally made decisions so I wouldn't let myself get distracted with myself. If that makes sense. Yeah, you get caught up in your own hype. Yeah, exactly. Right. So there's there's something I, I I did based upon the advice my dad gave me years ago. And he said, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And so what I intentionally did is like I went and surrounded my, myself by guys that I knew were men of, of like godly character. And, and I wanted to surround myself with guys that roped good, like the best guys in the world, world champions, guys that I knew well. Um, and I wanted to surround myself with that. And so what I did is I went and surrounded myself with them. And what happened was, is it was natural. It was easy, not natural. It was easy for me to make decisions that were going to get me to my goal yeah. because that, because those guys, I knew had already done it and I knew they were pursuing Christ and they were sitting there telling me, Hey, you need to go here. You need to be here. You need to be doing this. And I would do things without even questioning it. Like I wouldn't know why I just freaking did it. It's a condition. And, uh, it's a conditioned way of life, right? Yeah. If yeah, all exactly. if all you know is being in the good book and roping with the best, that's that's just normal for you, you know. And yeah, and it, it became it a part of you. Yeah, and it made it easy. So I want to like what I, my point is is like it wasn't necessarily me doing anything. It was like the community of people that I had around me, which I like harp on. Like if you if one person gets if you get one thing out of this, there's there's a few points I'll probably say out. But one thing is like you got to surround yourself with the right people. Like that was so huge for me, and like I don't know how to describe that anymore. Like like when I get out of when I got out of rodeo, like. I had, I've, I've never gone in a season of life where I didn't intentionally work, look for men, uh, that were pushing me closer to Christ. And it was just like, that's, what's made me kind of who I am. And like, that, that's what's held me to the ground. It wasn't because I sat, I went hermit crab and went into a cave and lived by myself. Like that's impossible. We're designed for community, you know? Yeah. And so it's like, you got to find those people that are going to make you better. Like, what are your goals? Name off your goals, figure it out. What are your passions? What do you care about? And then put yourself around those people that are going to make you better and help you push you towards that goal. And ultimately, if you're a believer and if you're not a believer, you can you know figure it out. And that's more important than finding the right community. But if you're a believer, you got to find those people that are going to grow your relationship with Christ and call you out when you screw up, which there's a few times that I'm um, not going to say it on the podcast. But, you know, there's a few <laughs> times where I've made mistakes that, you know, Buddy Hawkins was like, he'll, he'll be the one to tell you. It's like, yeah. Drew was this and he did this and I called him out and he straightened out. And it's like, he listened and two days later we were back on track, but like without buddy, who knows where I would have been. You know what I mean? And it's like, it's an awesome journey. And, and kind of, as I travel through life and I'm starting to see the value and legacy, right. And the value of accountability and the value of being a mentor to others. And yeah, it's a huge catalyst for this podcast, right? Is that I've experienced some stuff with some horses that I think benefited me in my life and my circumstances and, and God has put this podcast in front of me to try to help others. But how, I mean, how awesome was it that you, you had the foresight to hunt these people out. You've now yeah. acquired such a knowledge base, right? And have been ingrained with, with a certain way of life. And very shortly, right, your time is going gonna, is gonna to come to step up and help somebody else out, you know, and, and, and you're yeah. going to build their foundation and build off of what you learned and left, leave a legacy, leave a legacy greater than what you found. I mean, it's profound. Yeah. It's, it's very powerful stuff, man. Yeah, it's fun to it's fun to dream about, man, and to see what God's going to do and His hand at work and what He's already done and by by design for sure, you know. Oh, it's incredible, you know, with a little faith and and a lot of hard work, what what comes across the table. And I oftentimes my wife laughs at me because I'll come up with these grandiose ideas or plans or goals. When we first started getting together, she thought I was more of an idiot than anything else. <laughs> yeah, a lot of this stuff starts to come to fruition, and I achieve them. Yeah, and you get to another level and another level and another level, and it's now to the point. We're all mentioned goals to her and she just starts shaking her head because she knows 
given the right yeah. opportunity or you put yourself in the right position or you work hard enough or you pray hard enough on it, uh, it ends up in your lap. Absolutely. And it's not yeah. that it's not that I'm I'm any better than any other human being. I think I've I've had a decent amount of life experience. I have the opportunity to step back and kind of see where I'm at in my faith and where I'm at in the bigger picture. I would love nothing nothing more than to go out and rope all the time and, and be the greatest roper ever to live, because that's kind of what my goal was, even though I got a late jump on it. But I very quickly saw and we talked about in previous conversations that roping was not for me um, <laughs> yeah. at, at, at that point in my life. You know, yeah. there there were other fish that needed to be fried per se. There were other things that I needed to attend to. There were other things that motivated me towards horsemanship. And, and now I've seen a lot of success in the horsemanship world. It's a matter yeah. of building on it. Yeah, absolutely. That's good. So we talked a lot about your, your rodeo community and the men that were influential in your life and the men that held you accountable. But I know, I know your father has played a huge role in your life, hey, yeah. especially on yeah. the business side of it, right? You know, running that family absolutely. business. So yeah, absolutely. if you don't mind, let's talk about dad's influence. <laughs> well, uh, it's hard. It's not hard to talk about him, but it's funny because I know he's going to listen to this later. So I don't want to get too much of a big head for that guy. He's going to come into my office and <laughs> Lord knows what he's going to do. You know? No, my, my dad, uh, it, it's uh, so my dad was the first guy. Well, all right, I guess I'll start way back, man. I started thinking about where to start, but we'll just go back. My, my parents got divorced when I was eight years old probably one of the suckiest times of my life just straight up truth um it was horrendous like it, it was it was terrible and i i hated it you know i didn't realize at the time i, I didn't hate it at the time you know I didn't, I didn't know any different at the time honestly i didn't really care um i always thought the divorce made me stronger and it made me more independent and it thanks sure did that's for sure but it was because my dad was so consistent in my life you know what i mean like mm -hmm. i'm you know, 10 years old i've never had a dad i've never had a dad oh, seriously i've never known uh, my dad, like not to answer the phone or not to get back to me. Like, uh, and that's kind of like, he would always, he'd always call me, call me back in like a minute. If he missed my call, he'd always like respond to my text messages as, as text came out or he'd always start, he'd always leave a meeting and answer the phone, you know, whatever it was every time. It didn't matter. Like I didn't know any different. I didn't know what he was doing at the time, but he was always there. Like he never was not there. He fully supported me. He played, he came to my hockey games and practices, you know, he'd come to those all the time even though he didn't, he didn't really know much about hockey. He, you know, helped me in rodeo 100%. Like I wouldn't have gotten to do anything without him. Um, but it's funny. I, I talk about all those men in my life that were like, how I went and sought out those men. My dad was the one that told me, he said, he said, show me your friends. And I'll show you your future. He's like, Hey, go find the guys, go find those world champions and do what they're doing. Even if you don't understand it, just do it. And you know, find those guys. He was the guy that like, kept me going to church all the time when I was a kid, you know, he's the one that helped me get to a, the education I had. He helped me get through college. And, and so I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have been anywhere where I'm at without him. I mean, and it's crazy to think, you know, like I said, if you missed the point, my dad was a single dad, pretty much. I mean, he didn't have anybody helping him really. Um, my mom, I saw her, you know, I love my mom. I was there as around her and stuff, you know, but she wasn't as active in my life growing up. My dad was the one that was always like involved. Yeah, constant. My mom was involved a little bit, but not really, you know. Yeah. My dad was my dad was always there. Like I knew he was going to be 100% and I didn't realize that that consistency he gave me, the discipline and the and, and persistence he always had on me, not, never to give up even now when I freaking snap back at him on something, you know, he never gives up on me because he cares, you know. And I just knew that was a consistent love that um I I knew that I would probably I didn't understand at the time, but like I've, you always say, but like now it's like, holy crap, what a blessing that is to have a man like that in your life that God puts you yeah. in your life and, and the responsibility and the blessings that it has to make me who I am today. And 
it's it's huge. Yeah, I was gonna say it's it's funny you as you go through life, right? Growing up as a kid, you just that's what you know, right? Dad takes care of business, and yeah, and you don't realize until you are later in life those those sacrifices that that really had to be made to answer the phone call or to show up to the hockey game or whatever it is, you know. Yeah, it's funny. Funny story. My dad, like the consistency he had, is awesome. It, and I always joke about him. All I joke about this all the time. Like I really do. I give him a hard time because he wasn't really saying this. You'll see. You'll, it's pretty funny. So I, my dad, you know, I'm, I'm rodeoing and he, he gets it. He starts coming out to rodeos every now and he come watch, right? He'll fly out and come watch the rodeo. He'll come watch the big ones. He'll, you know, be around. And over the 4th of July, he'll come fly and watch some rodeos with us, you know? And uh, he'd go to Salinas every year. It's pretty cool. Well, it's funny. In 2013, I make the finals, right? I remember. So you just kind of build up everything, you know? When he was in Salinas, California, I, uh, me and Buddy Hawkins, 2013, we made a trip over to Nampa, Idaho. So if you're, if you're in team rope in a rodeo, you got to make, you got to go the short round on to Nampa on Saturday night. I think it is. And the short round of Salinas is on Sunday. So you got to, got to go back and forth or the last round is on Sunday at team rope. And it doesn't matter if you the short round of Salinas or not. So we go to the short round of Saturday night in Nampa and we, we won the road. We won Nampa, Idaho. And it was like, we were at like 58,000 or something like that. I don't know exactly what it was, but we won enough and we get our paychecks or we look at the check. We know how much you're going to pay or whatever. And we're kind of like, okay. Me and Buddy are probably not going to celebrate right now. You know, we're not going to like be like, oh, we just exactly. Made the final. You know, we're not really going to do it. But my dad, the next day, or he texted me or something. He said something. He's like, yeah, because evidently he made the finals. And I'm like, what? What do you mean? He's like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, I ain't taking it, right? Like, I'm not. Yeah. I'm like, hey, we still got a month and a half or two months left of the season here. And he goes, well, these guys, you know, like Patrick's sitting. He's sitting with Patrick or some other time. I think he was or Clay Trine and those guys there with him. And he says, I think it was them. I'm not sure which ones. It's like, yeah, I think Clay Clay said, uh, congratulations. And my dad said he looked back at I was like, what are you talking about? And he goes, Drew and Buddy just made the finals. And that's when they won Nampa. So that, that, but it's funny, here's why. Because, right, so it's great, right? We've got another two months left in the rodeo season. We're going, and, and it's like, it's exciting. You know, we made the finals, and we're thinking that. Well, we get out to we get out to Vegas, and I'm out there. You know, you're out there for two and a half weeks or two weeks or whatever. And my dad gets out there for the first round a couple of days before. And we go to dinner kind of before everything starts with some friends and everything. And, he looks over at me and he goes, you know, I never thought you'd do it. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and I go, and I go immediately fired back with, well, thanks dad. Yeah. Huge <laughs> support dad. system, dad. Thanks. Yeah. Just straight up, you know, and I knew he was joking, but, yeah. um, and he, and he was being kind of like, okay, so he, he never, like he was being serious, but he was not, well, he wasn't. And he, I mean, like he knew I probably could make it, it just, but he didn't care. Like he didn't care if I made it or not just because like, it wasn't the point, you know? Yeah. Like, it wasn't the matter of, like, winning the amp and making the finals or making the NFR. It was the fact that he was there, that, like, he never left. He supported me fully in it, 100%. And, like, you know, it was like, I never thought you'd make the finals, right? But it wasn't that. It was the fact that he just was like, hey, even if you made it or not, I'm still going to love you. Dude, it's incredible. I mean, we listen to your story right here, right now. And we've had plenty of conversations in our friendship, and we don't talk terribly often at all. Yeah. And what what always kind of drew me to you was your ambition, your drive. I mean, you're passionate about everything that you do. You see a lot of success in everything that you do. I mean, we talked about it, the rodeo. I mean, we'll talk about fitness here in a bit. Now you're carrying on the family business in the in the jewelry industry there. And, and I make yeah. the joke that you're a jewelry industry mogul. <laughs> yeah. But what it's predicated on, man, is is your drive and your motivation and your 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 love for everybody. Now, listening to the however long we've been on this deal, you know, 20, 30 minutes, it's easy to see that you're a product of your environment. 
I mean, you've had some yeah. amazing human beings standing in your corner throughout your entire life. You know, it's it's their consistency and their longevity and their investment in you that is now coming to light through your actions and your words and your your traditions that you're starting to develop, man. I mean, it's yeah. it's amazing, dude. It's amazing. It's, it's I now see why you've had the success that you've had. Yeah, thanks, man. It's definitely not me, man. Like, it's 100% the people that have been around me. Like, exactly. I really can't stress that enough. Like, it's... Yeah, you're the you're the vehicle in which it presents itself through, but there's there's many man hours that went into Drew Horner. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's for if sure. You think about the product, you know, that's that's awesome. Good, good stuff, dude. So let's talk horses, man. Let's talk about some of your horses. Yeah, I know you had was it Slick you had? Yeah, the lion's share yeah. of your life or your rodeo career? Yeah, Slick. So the horses that I'll probably talk about right now with you is Slick, Rango, Goose. Those are kind of the top ones I had everywhere. And I had a horse named Playboy. Yeah. Playboy, just go with it. Uh, <laughs> my my dad actually named him because he's a heel horse. We bought him, and he had a little faint kind of freeze brand on his back left hip, uh, and it was a Playboy bunny. So we called him Playboy. I love it. Yeah, it's funny. It. But uh, bought him, and he's great. And uh, you know, Rattler is another horse I had. All these horses you have over the years, and, and Polo, which is a paint horse that I had. And, but like, think about just the the most the coolest thing, man. Like. Growing up and in, in when you start rodeo on at 15, for me, it's like going from city into, into the Western life. Like it's easy for me to, it's easier for me to see this because I didn't get spoiled, I guess, or really in a good way. I didn't get like overtaken with, you know, the, God's creation because like I did get overtaken with it because I didn't live in it every day up until I was like 15, you know? Yeah. So I didn't take it for granted. But I remember when I was about 22 years old, my dad had always said this to me. Then I always said horses are probably some of the most loyal animals you'll ever you'll ever have, because he goes we we keep them in pens we turn them out in pastures when we can but we keep them in pens we feed them the same every time, and we're gonna get them we get them up and we expect them to do their best every time no matter what whether we've hauled them across the country and put them in a stall for three months straight, or you know we've rode them for two weeks straight without a day off or they didn't have much to eat they're getting hot and tired we expect them to give us our all 100 percent and they do, you know. Um, and they try to, you know what I mean? They're out there like the most loyal animals ever. It's unreal to see. Uh, and I remember reading through Genesis, remember the old time, reading the Old Testament. I was reading through Genesis and they came across, I think it's like chapter, I don't know. It's early on, like six or I don't remember. It might be earlier than that. And it talks about uh, the fall of man. It talks about God giving us power and dominion over um, over the animals. And it's just kind of fun to see. Like you go out, let me, I'll talk to you about, I remember, I remember the day that this happened. I was out of my barn. And it was kind of winter time. It was not winter, winter, but it was probably October, it was fall or so, probably 2012. And I walk out and my horse, Goose, I got him from Trevor Brazil. And he's an outstanding horse. He was my first great head horse, um, meaning like the first horse that taught me how to like, like, okay, this is what a great this head horse This is what it's supposed be. to be, yeah. Yeah, like he was a freak of an athlete, unreal. He's an awesome horse. Um, but I got him and that sucker was, and he wasn't very gentle though. Like he, he wasn't very trustworthy. He kicked me three times for the, you know, eight years that I owned him. <laughs> no joke, man. He put me, oh, I couldn't walk for, God. I couldn't walk for like four days after one time. He just put my knee in half. I couldn't bend it. I tore some ligaments and crap in there. It, it dang sure hurt. Oh, that's no good. Yeah. I split my shin up into the bone. had like 20 stitches or something in there because of him. It was pretty annoying. But, uh, did that. And, uh, anyway, I walk it out one day and I remember it's like October is, kind of somewhat chilly probably and i walk out and suckers i open the pin up and he's kind of annoying to catch like he never wanted to be caught but he's he's such a good horse you can't get mad at him like it was like whatever you can do whatever you want just when i catch you like let's do it it's work time to get to work out 
yeah, he's unbelievable. Like he's so good. Faced faced faster than any horse I ever had. I'm not kidding. Him and Ringo. Anyway, I go out there and I remember when I started catching him, I remember like he was breathing fire. Like just he would just he's just muscle. And like you'd feed him some good stuff and he'd just meet up and just in shape and unbelievable horse. And uh, he'd be running in circles around me a little bit, and I'd get him stopped in a corner, and he'd kind of put his butt to me or whatever, and then I'd finally get at him. I'd start walking out his front of his shoulder there and get to his head. He was just stone statue, like could just blow up at any moment, right? Like he's just on fire, like ready to Waiting for it. Yeah, here it comes. Like ready to go, right? Like he's just like doesn't necessarily like what's going to happen, but he's looking at me with his wide eyes and his ears looking over at me, and he's just breathing fire, like just – and I, he, he did that like every time, like no joke, every time. And I remember like walking up to him and like at the point where, okay, now I can catch him. And like, I remember stopping about five or six feet away and just looking at him and being like, oh my gosh, like this is a 1200 pound animal of just straight meat and muscle. Like could turn his butt to me, kick me in the, like just two feet right to my chest and kill me. In a flash. Right yeah, in a flash, could just do anything he wanted to to me right now. No joke. All I got is I have him in a forty by forty foot pen. You know what I mean? That's what I have. That's the benefit. I, that's the that's the advantage I have on it. That's it. And like he could he could bite me. He could do all this kind of stuff. Yet he's standing here, and he's like breathing fire. Like you can tell he's think he like doesn't know what to do. Like he's it's almost as if he wants to hurt me. Yeah. But he's not, he's not allowed to. It's like it's like oh my gosh. And I'm sitting there thinking like I'm stopped and watching, and I'm like this is. The only reason he's not running away from me still and not trying to kick me in the head right now is because God has designed him in such a way to submit to me. And I'm sitting here thinking, like, this is God's creation. Like, God gave, he gave me a blessing to take care of this animal. And it's like I'm sitting here thinking, like, from, from that moment on, I was, like, 22 years old. I remember being like, I have, I'm going to spoil these horses. Like, I need to take care of these suckers yeah. in every way possible. Like, they get hurt. Like, they get hurt. Like, it's a it's a responsibility on me, like a stewardship to take care of what God has given me and the, and the ability in these horses. It's unreal. Like I remember thinking like, I almost like broke down cause I stopped for like a good couple minutes thinking like this guy is standing here, staring me down, breathing fire with his head up and his eyes wide and his ears at me, just locked in muscle, like ready to rock. Yeah. He could tee yeah. off on you in any second. Yeah, exactly. But he's not going to because like he's, he's like, because God has given me power over him Yeah, and it's like, I'm, you know, 170 pounds, six one, versus this thing, and it's like, thank you, God. Like it's unreal. Like it's such a gift. Like how loyal they are, as my dad was saying earlier. Um, yet they're so like powerful and all this kind of stuff. Yet he's just gonna sit there and let me take him. I'm gonna saddle him and ride him for three hours and rope run. You know, five to eight steers on him, full speed. Expect him to do his best. You know, and then go out and compete on him and haul him around. And he's gonna take it. And he's gonna enjoy his job and he's going to know it it's bit, but it's because he's designed to do that and that's like i remember in that moment thinking like holy crap god i'm witnessing your hand at work right now not because of anything i've ever done but just the gift you've given me in these you know at the time about 10 or 12 horses we had there and especially in goose and seeing it it was a pretty remarkable moment for me you know and that was a that was a huge turning point similar perspective change for me so i played baseball I had a little success doing it, got out of baseball, started working on my profession. I needed something to fill that competitive void, you know, that was left by baseball. So I figured, yeah, heck, I could throw a baseball. Let me try this roping deal, right? Yeah. Um, not knowing the first thing about horses, not knowing the first thing about horsemanship, not knowing the first thing about roping. Yeah, totally. And when we roped together, I was kind of early on in that, that experience, or I guess you'd call it experience. It was more like a try. 
and as my profession started to wear on me and I found grace through the horse, right? Helping me yeah. through some things and helping to change my perspective on life. That's when I came to the realization that, man, God has entrusted me with the care of this animal. Yeah. Every ounce of design right here is God's work. And he has put this horse in my path and blessed me with the responsibility of this animal. And that's when my perspective changed from, hey, let's let's be the next rodeo star to let's learn as much as we can from this animal and provide the best service possible. Because when, when my number gets punched and I have to answer for it, and you've probably seen it, right? Especially in the amateur rodeo world. I don't want to have to answer to whooping on this horse. I don't want to have to answer no. to starving this horse. I don't want to have to answer to hauling this horse for 25 hours at a time, you know, and not yeah. giving him a break. Yeah. I want to know that I did right by him. And, and I truly felt with my, my horse, I, I owed it to him. He had no responsibility yeah. to help me through what I was struggling with. None whatsoever. No obligation. Yeah. But he did, right? And, and as my yeah. grace, I think, I think I owed it to, to him, right? To reciprocate that, that grace. And it's just, it's led me down a path and opportunities and people in my life that I never once would have thought of. I never once hoped for, but I am eternally grateful for every single bit of it. And I, I truly think I'm way better off than if I would have tried to stay in control of my life, you know, and chase that oh, roping I'm, deal. Absolutely. Yeah. That's cool, man. That's, that's an incredible story. And one day, hopefully I can get back to it, you know, and get back to roping. But there's, there's plenty of things that I need to learn from a horse before, before I get back to it, you know? Oh yeah. And the horsemanship is the, uh, I mean, the foundation of everything we do from roping and, and, and running barrels, everything. I mean, it's, probably the most important it is the most important factor inside of rodeo inside of ranch work whatever it is is horsemanship so yeah absolutely man it's such a blessing too to see that so man let's talk about the nfr since we're talking about horse care and travel and health and horsemanship and all that stuff and you know the yeah. nfr is every december 10 days of competing there at the thomas and mac kind of the the world series or super bowl per se for rodeo yeah um, yeah there's a lot of time and effort and travel and, and all the work in your life and your season to get to that point Let's just talk about the grind of those two weeks that you're out there, you know? I mean, what's a typical <laughs> yeah. schedule? How do you keep them horses healthy? What's your schedule look like? Because not only do you, have to, do you have to perform, but I'm sure there's sponsors that have obligations for you and, and appearances to do, so. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, man, like, I think, man, like, probably about half the day, half of every day for me. I mean, there's other guys like Tough Cooper, and those guys have all day, every day, they're doing something. Yeah. Uh, for me, it was like half the day every day. I had something going on, um, which was kind of nice. Like I didn't have to, I got to kind of enjoy it a little bit with my family a little bit, you know, some parts of the day and there are other parts of the day I had to go be somewhere, you know, but like really the typical schedule out there, man, like you're either, you've got sponsorship obligations, whatever it looks like, if that's signing autographs or if that's just making appearances somewhere or, or anything, you know, you're, you gotta get that done. And then you got it, you go, go get saddled up. And I, I was staying over at, um, staying off site, which was kind of nice. Yeah. Stay out of the distractions. Yeah, out of this. Well, I was staying in the hotel at the. I was staying in the MGM is where I was staying mm -hmm. at, but my horses were staying off site. Gotcha. And so I would, yeah, you know, I got to. I, my horses had some good pins, and it was nice. Some good friends of, of Trey Johnston, Al Bach, and those guys, Clay Tryon, all those guys. You know, dog was out there. Corey Coons, he was out there, and some other guys stayed at the same spot I was at, which is pretty cool. And Champ, like Clay Cooper, he was out there with us, and and it's just kind of cool, you know, being around the, the rodeo guys. Uh, but we all stayed kind of off site. So we had, we had some people helping us take care of our horses, which was a beautiful thing. That was unbelievable, you know, blessing on that. But the typical schedule, man, like you got to get your horses taken care of. Uh, and then you got to get, uh, show up in places. You got to get ready to go show up. You got to go teach for me. I was teaching stuff for NRS out there a lot of times, which mm -hmm. was kind of fun. 
Um, I really enjoyed that, had a blast doing that. And then I would go compete. But about hour and a half before the rodeo started, two hours before the rodeo started, I'd kind of go, I'd go back to the room. I'd, uh, I'd kind of get my mind right just because like, okay, you're enjoying the moment as much as possible everywhere. But it was like, now you got to like turn it on. Now yeah, I've got to like, put it switch. to work. Yeah. And I got to switch. Like I kind of had, I needed about, you know, 15 minutes or so just to myself of just kind of like, Hey, I've got to go rope for, you know, 16, 20,000 a steer tonight. Kind of, it was, I think it was 16 or something like that. Yeah, night. No, no pressure, right? No pressure. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Against the best guys in the world, you know, and so I go do that tonight and, and turn it off. And then I show up about an hour and a half before the rodeo and, because uh, usually at rodeo, something like it's funny. The NFR is obviously the biggest rodeo in the world for us in pro rodeo, and and so usually at rodeos you can show up. You don't have to be in the grand entry. Well, the NFR it's a requirement. Like you got to be in the grand entry. And uh, the say, grand we're, we're going to talk about that in a whole or in a second here because that's a whole another yeah, experience. That's, that's a whole another. That's actually pretty funny. We got some funny stories about that, but that's just a fun time. Like so, you show up, get your horse ready, and I I would ride a different horse in the grand entry than I would at the rodeo. Like I rode. Um, this whole, this horse called jet in the grand entry, just older horse I had. And I just rode him just cause I didn't, I wanted to go full speed in the grand entry. <laughs> and I, so I didn't want to worry about, <laughs> didn't want to worry about juicing up my horse slick for the rodeo. I wanted yeah. my horse slick to be consistent. Right. Yep. And so I'd ride the grand, but you had to get ready for that. Like usually you can kind of get ready for your event. Well, no, I had to be fully ready in time for the grand entry because then I had to go back and I only had, you know, my event was third event. So it wasn't as much time to get ready, you know, on my good horse. So you're having so, to get ready before you even get to the grand entry. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm getting ready doing that, which is, you know, you got help. I had a guy help me out there, which is pretty awesome having uh, Scott out there helping me. But uh, it was just, you know, it's fun, man. That was kind of a typical day for me out there. And I enjoyed every minute of it. Like, I freaking loved it. Like, I remember being back. I prayed that I would. I prayed I'd remember everything. I remember being backstage underneath the underneath the stands, getting ready with all the guys. And uh, I mean, Dustin Bird's there, Paul Eves there, all these, you know, some all the buddies are out there. Everybody's rodeoing. And it's kind of cool to be around it, man. Luke Brown, Jake Long um what an awesome experience and also awesome culmination of everything right all the hard work and the millions of miles that you guys shared you know throughout the season and and here it is you know you get to hang out for a couple weeks and and i use the word hang out loosely because it's a grind yeah but um yeah totally what what an absolute blessing but let's talk about this grand entry right so we pack god knows (laughs) how many horses into this little bitty arena yeah organized chaos is what i would call it yeah it's pretty funny really so they walk out. I mean, how many horses do you think run through that arena in that grand entry? Every contestant's on a horse, you know, and then you got plus, I don't know, plus five. So what do you got? 15 contestants times seven events. That's a yeah, whole no bunch of horses and a whole lot of money to be jamming into that arena. And then, yeah, and they, a little hockey rink. Yeah, I was going to say, and then they run you all through that gate, and there's the, the what is it, the grandstands right there that are overhead? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you better not it's, be standing uh, up in the saddle. And if you're if you're carrying your state's flag, you better duck that thing out real quick. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's pretty fun, really. So it's it's funny. So I I loved it. Like that was probably one of the most fun times ever because you just run full speed, and you're booking it. Like you're just having blast. Everybody's running and everybody's having a good time. Everybody's screaming and hooting and hollering during that thing. It's it's really pretty cool, and everybody just kind of like has a good time doing it. You know. Mm-hmm. Well, Tough Cooper was funny time, so he's a good dude. Well, he uh his horse went down around the corner. I'd ride right behind him most of the time, and this time I'm running behind him, and his horse goes down, come around the corner. And I dang near ran him over. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. yeah. That's no good. <laughs> like, he, it was funny. I don't know if he remembers it. I'd probably call him and be like, hey, bro. But no, he, uh, so he, he goes down and he jumps over the, the rope and the rope panel, like right there, the rope and gate right in front of the box. Yeah. And he jumps over that and bails out. And so I chased his horse down and grabbed his horse and just like hanging out laughing because I'm like, dang. And his hat, like, he, his hat gets crumpled up, I think it was. It's pretty funny, really. God. And he's just looking at everybody go by. And, uh, <laughs> it was actually, 
So dang near ran over him. And then another time, I uh, just being being funny, I think it was like round eight or something like that. I'm running around the corner and I get to the I get to the point where uh, I'm over there on the far side by our flag and I'm you know we're all tipping our resist all to the crowd as they say, and I pull so I got I try to keep my my horse jet by this time round eight he's like he's on fire like he knows what's up we're going it's game time boy let's get it and that's all he does like like I'm not riding for anything else I just saddle him for that and we go full speed in the arena and then we full speed out right (laughs) (laughs) he just knows what's coming right and so. So I get, I sit down, uh, and we get to the end of it all. We tip our hat. Well, I'm trying to keep my reins in my my hand, in my hat hand, my right hand, and I pull my phone out because I'm wanting to post on Instagram or something like that. Oh, I want to film. It's kind of funny. Yeah. Well, freaking jet. So there's one part jet like backs up and then just takes off before everybody else does. Like you could probably see the replay of it. It's really funny. So I have, I really don't know. Like I don't have much control of him at this point because I'm lost the reins at this point. And like I, used, I tried to grab him, but then he's just running through the bit. So he backs up out of the line, like facing the stand, backs up to the middle, and then turns to the out gate and just runs all the way down the arena. And I, I lose my hat in the oh, grand Jesus. entry. Jesus. <laughs> so oh, no. I lost my hat in the grand entry, kept my phone, which is good, grabbed the reins, and I just ride him out like nothing went wrong, right? It's another day so at the yard, dude. Jay, Jay Corkill comes back there. And he starts making fun of me because he's laughing so hard because he saw it. He's like, this idiot, he's the only guy that's ever lost his hat in the grand entry. <laughs> I love it. And then Jake Cooper's right at the back, and he's got his flag, and he's reaching down there trying to pick it up. He picks my hat up with his flagpole, and he carries it out and hands it to me. It was just the funniest thing ever. So those guys it. are, you know, Cowboys never lose their hats. Well, I lost mine in the grand entry. I was so. going to say, you lost it on the biggest ball. stage you could possibly yeah. lose it right in front <laughs> yeah. of everybody. And then you're doing it. Mock 50 on a horse out of town. Yeah, exactly. So it was, it was really pretty funny. Like, it was right in the middle of every, like, every, there's no way you couldn't have noticed it. Like, it was, it was really pretty funny. I love it, man. I yeah. mean, at the time, yeah, it's probably kind of embarrassing in a little bit, but what a great memory yeah. to look back on and laugh at. And yeah, man, what an awesome good. experience, dude. 20, 22, 23 years old on the big stage. Yeah, yeah it was fun, man. It was a blessing, man. I, I really enjoy it. And my goal in life, my, my goals in team rep, not in life, but goals in team rep and were, I wanted to win a major and I wanted to make the national finals, but I wanted to buckle from both of them um, because I didn't want to just make the finals and not have a buckle or something yeah. like that. And the way you get a buckle at the NFR is you have to win a round or you have to win the average or a gold buckle, you know, which means there's the max is 13 buckles in one event. So guys are leaving there without buckles. That's crazy. And so I needed to win a round to get a buckle. And uh, so I'm thankful we won. We split round three. I was going to say, uh, let's talk about round three because that's kind of a unique set of circumstances, right? Yeah. In yeah. Yeah. Won that is- buckle. Yeah, exactly. Explain it a little bit. Round three NFR, um, having a blast, and we're like we're like second out at this point, I think it is, because they go down. We're like eleventh in the world going in or something, I think, and I think we're like first or second out. I, I don't remember. And and we spin one off, and we're four two, and it's the fastest round of the rodeo since, right? Um, it was a pretty tough rodeo that year. I think the fastest round of the rodeo, fun round of the rodeo, was like four flat that year. Um, so we spin one off. We're four two. Buddy Hill's a good one. So I'm back there sweating, right? We're like first or second out. That means we got. You know, twelve or thirteen. Yeah, teams. you got a whole mess of teams coming up right behind you, and they yeah, know where and, and, they know where they need to be. Yeah, and if we're four two, exactly, they know what they need to be. And usually, if a fast run goes off early, it's probably going to be a lot of fast runs that night, right? Yep. And so I think we 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 end up going, and we're waiting, we're sweated out, we're sweated out, we're sweating, we're doing good, nobody's got us. I think uh, Jim Ross Cooper was roping with Brandon Beers, I think at the time maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we split it with them and it was the minor brothers. Yeah. It was the minor brothers that we split with too. So it was Riley and Brady and Brandon and Jim Ross Cooper that we split the round with that night, which was pretty cool. 
Um, and then I'm just amped, right? Like, I'm kind of like, it's funny because people were telling me, some of the older guys were joking with me. Um, and I, I didn't know this at the time, so I was kind of worried. They actually did it to me on purpose because some of my friends, they knew all I ever wanted in roping was an NFR buckle, right? Yeah. Like, I wanted, I wanted an NFR buckle and I wanted a major buckle. Um, so I'm like, great, I got my buckle, I'm amped. Well, freaking like Strand Smith, right, Cap Roper, uh, and then like Jim Ross, and like all these guys, these buddies of mine that have been to the finals that know the no rodeo are like, yeah, they and Bobby Moat, like he's in on it, you know, they're just jacking with me. But they all were like telling me, hey, they, they usually don't make duplicate buckles. They oh, just Jesus. look for it and whatever. <laughs> and I'm every single one of them. And I'm like, no, there's no what do you way. Mean, I just want to round. I'm not going to get a buckle. Yeah, they're going to get, I know. So I'm thinking that in my head, like, no, that's bull crap. Like, you're not just playing. Like, you're, you guys are kidding with me. Like, there's no way they do. That's such, that's so stupid. And uh, I was like, I'm just going to order one. He's like, no, they won't do it because they're copyrighted. <laughs> like, they're telling me, like, they're like patented. Like, they can't make duplicates because they keep them. And I'm like, shut up. I'm, I'm going to You're taking it, it hook, line, and secret at this point. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, no, like I'm not letting myself believe it, but I am, you know, exactly. And so I'm, I'm going and it's funny. So I get up there. Right. And, and, uh, you know, I get up there and it turns out we go to the stage ceremony. That's a different story. I'll talk about that in a second, but we get done, we go out back and they give us the buckle and on stage, on stage, they only have one head buckle and one heel buckle. Oh, so, so now you're starting to believe it. Yeah. I know. I'm like, these freaking suckers. Like, I can't believe the PRCA would do this. Like, this is absurd. Like, I'm starting to rally up all these things in my thoughts. Like, the PRCA sucks. Like, I'm Yeah, so you spend all these stuff. millions of dollars on this rodeo yeah. production. You mean to tell me you can't get two more buckles? I know. Exactly, right? So, I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking all this in my head. Like, this is just happening. Right? I'm so mad. I'm so bitter. <laughs> And so I get off the stage and they give the buckle to, they give the buckle. Uh, I think it was, uh, who came out of the buckle? Riley, it was, it was Brandon. I think Brandon ends up with the buckle. Mm-hmm. And, um, cause Riley had already had one, I think, and Brandon didn't have one and, and we flipped for it and Brandon got it, which is fine, but I'm pissed. I'm like, sad. <laughs> like not happy. Right. And then, uh, I go home that go back to the hotel room thinking that I didn't get a buckle and I'm like, I got to win another round. Like, I need to freaking get a buckle. Oh, my God, and, like, dude. All those guys next... setting you up must have been loving every uh, second so of this, funny. watching you it sweat so it. Funny. Oh, yeah. I think it's just a rookie joke they pull on everybody. And so then I, I the next morning, I, I talked to the guy. I figured out. They're like, no, they'll give you one. Just call them and order it and everything. And they're just jacking with me because I was oh, sweating. Oh, my God. What a huge relief. Forever. I was so mad, too. I was, like, bummed. Yeah, you're like, really I got funny. seven more nights to figure this out. Yeah, exactly. Like I was gonna go at it so hard if I wouldn't have won a world. I was like, <laughs> oh, your I got poor it. horses would have gotten it. Oh well, they would have been. They'd have been right there. I'd have been winning. I added. Oh, I'm, I maybe they shouldn't have given me a buck. I would have won more rounds or something. That's funny. But it's funny because looking at um, the other story winning around, it's like it's like I always knew I wanted something, right? Like I always knew I, there was vision. I was very, I'm very visual. Like I saw myself winning. I mm-hmm. saw myself doing things. And Dude, I think visualization training is huge, man. I mean, that's a whole other conversation for the other day. But as far as compete man visualization training oh absolutely yeah people very apart. yeah so there was one year when i went out to the finals and this is just this isn't really training but this is just dreaming yeah i uh i saw david key and rich skelton i went and went to their award ceremony when they were at the finals this is before i had my card i think um at that stage at the south point and i was in the back corner i was by myself i didn't really know anybody it was the back corner by myself i just wanted to go experience it so i went in and i saw them receive their buckle on stage and all this kind of stuff. You know, there's a couple hundred people there. I don't know, a thousand people. I don't know how many mm-hmm. people fit in there. And I'm on stage and I, and I was like, I, I told myself, it's like, I want to be there one day. And yeah. then like, you know, four years later, I'm up there getting my buckle. Is that incredible, and, man? Uh, it's just kind of cool to like, kind of think about those things. I, you know, I didn't get my buckle, I guess on stage, but 
That's you know funny. what I mean? I, yeah, yeah. I got the eventually, and, eventually, it showed up. Yeah, it was it was pretty cool, man. So I did that and had a blast and, and loved it, and it was a blessing, man. That was a great experience in NFR, and I will never forget that. Yeah, sure. no, it's a it's a fun fun time to just enjoy the sport, enjoy the industry, hang out with yeah. good people, you know, watch some of the best rodeo in the world, and it's uh, yeah. I encourage everybody, even if you're not a rodeo person if you're a horse person in general i mean vegas in the that first couple of weeks in december just the whole town changes i mean it truly turns into as as much of a cow town as they can they can turn it into but yeah i mean absolutely. all the hotels are decked out and there's demos and clinicians and god every product that you could ever imagine in the horse industry is probably sold at some point yeah totally and then everybody gets together watch the watch the rodeo at night yeah definitely man it's a fun time for sure so you rode slick out there at the at the nfl yeah, yeah i rode Rode them all ten rounds. Yeah, I should have. I probably should have rode Goose out there too. I I, I kind of regret not riding him, but you know, Slick was kind of my main my main stick for uh, little the small indoor arenas like that. And I I rode Slick at the at the at Northside and in Fort Worth so much, and he's just so easy for me. And I'm, I'm glad I did. I rode him all ten rounds, which was kind of nice. And he was kind of my ace in the hole. Like he was just easy for me. Like it was almost like a guarantee. I got on him as a guarantee going to spend something for money. You know. Yeah, and that that. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. That horse kind of grew with you, or grew with you, right? I mean, you had him 15, yeah. 16 years old. Is that when you picked up that horse? Actually, I got slick when he was like seven. Oh no, kidding! Uh, when he was seven, I was fifteen. Yeah, how? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were fifteen when you got him. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I uh, I learned. It's crazy, man. Slick. I, I just sold him the other day. Uh, I say he's I'm a California saying, horse now, huh? Yeah, he's a California horse, man. So I, I sold him to Luke Branquino out there, and it, it's pretty cool. But I'll, I'll tell you that he. Slick was uh, with me from the very beginning, um, like literally. So I learned how to rope on this horse, rode him in high school rodeos, rode him at the amateur rodeos. Um, I healed on him too. And then I rode him at the high school rodeos, rode him at, uh, um, at the amateur rodeos. I ended up, I rode him at the pro rodeos. Um, and then I got to ride him at the biggest rodeo in the world, which is the National Finals Rodeo in Las Vegas. You know, So I go from learning how to rope on him to, to ride him in a, every stage of my career to win in the round on him at the national finals rodeo in vegas he was the horse that i ran you know i ran thousands of steers on this horse in the practice pen thinking i was at the nfr you know what i mean like practicing yeah, as if dreaming of it that, yeah. that round, you know? and i got to go do it on him you know what i mean and it's just like unreal um, oh it's an experience have, that very few people ever get i mean because most people ride as you level up you get a new horse and then you outgrow that yeah. horse and get to the next level but for you to yeah. take one at 15 years old and literally rope lesson number one yeah, all the way to a, a round win at the NFR. I mean, yeah. what a what a blessing! It's for, cool for now because now it's like, yeah, thanks, man. Now it's like uh, I sold him to Luke Branquino, you know, and he sends me a video a couple months ago when he got him, and he sent me a video and he texted me. He goes, he goes, my 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 youngest just spun, his, or he said, I think he was maybe his youngest or oldest. He goes, just spun his very first steer ever on uh, on your horse, and it was slick, dude. And so it's kind of cool to see. Like, here we go again. I know, man. It's unreal. Like, I don't know how to, like, explain. I mean, you know, Slick's probably 20-something now, but 22, so he's not going to get that going, but he's not going to last much longer. But it's just kind of cool to see, you know. I, but it's a special moment, right? He started you off at 15 years old, and here he is starting a youngster off. And Yeah. And uh, it's incredible to have a horse that competes at that caliber, you know, be able to step it down for, for such a small child to be able to turn a steer on them, you know. Yeah, it was it's, cool. It's I truly see, a special maybe, animal. Maybe, oh, yeah, it's unreal. I, I definitely saved that video, for sure. I kept it. and it's just kind of cool, man. I, I I remember the last. I remember the day that I sent him off. I went out there and it's roped the smarty on him and, and just kind of rode him around out in the pasture and just kind of spent like an hour or two hours on him and it was it was pretty hard, man. It really oh, was. I could only imagine. 
I can only imagine, dude, of, of all the miles you traveled and all the experiences that you gained together and, and to be able to walk him off to somebody else, it's got to be tough, but yeah, I mean, shoot, he's in good hands doing good things, you know? Yeah, totally. I mean, yeah, definitely good hands, man. I couldn't have sold him a much better of a man than, than Luke Brinquino and that horse. And oh, that's those guys incredible. And that's got to be the, the biggest confidence in the transaction right there is knowing that, that he's going to a place where he's going to be taken care of, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, he's... anybody, when you talk about, we recently had conversations getting rid of one of my horses, and it, it was just that. I mean, I think my biggest fear is just I don't know where he's going to go. Yeah. You know, and I don't know if I'm, I'm willing yeah. to put him up to that. Yeah, absolutely. Good so. stuff, man. Good stuff. Well, I sure appreciate your time. I know you got obligations here coming up in the next few minutes you got to get ready for. and Yeah. It was great. Despite both of our chaotic schedules, we were able to sit down for an hour or so together and, and work through this <laughs> podcast. And I appreciate you making time for Let Freedom Reign and all of our guests and stuff like that. One thing I like to do, though, when people um, sign off is, is do you have any parting words or final, final advice or anything that you would like to share with folks? Yeah, I think uh, I kind of said this earlier um, and everything I've shared in this, te- in this, this story in this podcast is uh, soul bent on, the, on, on two things. One, just my, my faith in Christ. Like I wouldn't be who I am or where I'm at if it wasn't for a relationship with Christ. The purpose of my life and what I've been doing is um, I've, I've kind of come to know that without Christ, like what is the purpose of life? You know, it's kind of hard to see. That's true. Um, but two, two, it's the, it's the people that I've been around. Um, you know, every, it's like every stage of life at every point in my life, I've always sought out people that were going to make me better. And, uh, I had to, I had to learn to, to let my pride aside, set it down on the side and, uh, to learn to live accountable, um, and to let people speak into my life to make me better. Um, even when it hurt. So if somebody says in a loving way that, Hey man, you, you shouldn't be doing that, or you need to be doing this. It's like, I had to, I had to listen and be willing to take it. Um, and so I'd always say is, is, uh, surround yourself with the people that you want to be like, and you'll learn and grow. And, and if you do that, honestly, there's nothing holding you back. I mean, at that point, it's just you just doing the work and listening and, and doing it. So community can't harp on community enough. That's yeah. probably something to take away from what I've learned in life and where I'm at now. So it's a huge, huge deal, man. It, um, I'll be out in Texas here in another couple of weeks and I got a pretty full oh, schedule, but at some point, dude, we got to get back together, maybe get out the range yeah. and, and blow through some magazines and oh, air it out a little yeah, bit, you, you know? You coming to Dallas or what? Uh, yeah, I'll be there in Mineral Wells. So, oh, yeah, you ain't going to be far from yeah, me. Well, there's some ranges that way. We, we, might could, we might could definitely make it work. Shoot, man, if I get some work. downtime, we'll, we'll get after it a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. All right, brother. Well, I sure appreciate your time again, and, and God bless you and all your future endeavors there at the jewelry business, and, and uh, maybe we'll have you on in the, the show here in the future again, and we'll catch up with, with everything new with Drew Horner. Absolutely, man. Well, thanks, Jason. I appreciate it, man. We'll talk later. All right, brother. Have a good one. Hey, too, man. Thanks again, everybody, for listening to this episode of Let Freedom Reign Podcast. Again, you can find us on social media under Let Freedom Reign Podcast. If you want to support the growth of this podcast, go to patreon.com forward slash Let Freedom Reign Podcast. Again, we thank you, and we'll see you on the next one.